I'd like to call this Parks and Rec Commission meeting to order. So I'd like to extend a special welcome to all those that are here visiting uh, today. I'm grateful uh, that you're here. So um, my name is Alex Hackman, just by introduction. And I know we have a few new members that we haven't seen for a while in the commission. Uh, since the past meetings were, uh, or were postponed, so grateful we can be together this evening. Um, first kind of item of business is uh, approval of the January 12th uh, minutes. And uh, do I have a motion to approve those? So, okay, great. And then for item number three, uh, public discussion of any items not on the agenda. So I wasn't sure with those that are here. There are a few items. Here from agenda. What was that? I'm here from agenda. Okay. Yes, please. I have something not on the agenda. Great. <clears throat> this I have permission to speak to name. Yeah, could I get your could we get your name as well? Yes, my name's Anne Stapleton. Anne Stapleton. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um to go ahead. Yes, please. Okay, think. I have it written down just so I don't forget or digress. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, thank you for the opportunity to come speak tonight. And the reason I came is because I'm very concerned about the severely reduced hours here at the pool in this very building at Broadway Navy Center. And I'm hopeful that administrators and decision makers will reverse that decision. So I want to limit myself to three points tonight, but I can talk more about this, but I'll try. Let's try. First, um, I just want to point out that the Robert A. Lee pool provides, and I have shared these points with Brian, so thank you. First, the Robert A. Lee Pool provides distinct advantages to Mercer, warmer water, easier access from entering and exiting the pool, and an ideal location for anyone in this Iowa City area, including a number of different categories of people. My own use of the pool, my own use of the pool has extended over 36 years. But it's provided me many health benefits that I would have had had this pool not been here. Exercise during winter months when I couldn't bike or walk. Rehabilitation after injuries when my body couldn't tolerate the cold water immerser. Local access since I walk or bike in warmer weather. And wonderful friendships with a slice of piracy I would not have otherwise known, which really gestures to the importance of this wonderful facility right here. Second, um, I agree with many people that cutting the hours to fewer than half the number that we've had for many, many years um, threatens the future of the school. In addition, the limited time, 6.15 a.m. to 9 a.m. and then 11 to 1, disadvantages several populations in particular. Young families who have to help, or parents who have to help their children get ready for school in the early morning, older adults who worry about traffic to the pool, especially in the winter months when the streets are bad and the lights down. Um, working adults who would like to swim after work. People who rely on the bus system for transportation and find Iowa City easier than Mercer to access. And anyone who simply needs a bit more time to get in and out of the pool. Those are very limited hours. <coughs> Third, like my own data in the last two months, um, because I've heard data um, a lot of references to that which don't seem to coincide with my memory and anecdotal experience. So that okay, I'll just quit my own. And 
It suggests that the Robert A. B. Pool continues to receive heavy usage during those hours, but this doesn't negate my point previously that the reduced hours also threaten the future of the pool. Clearly, the drastic cuts limited who can swim and when and keep many people away from enjoying the pool. I have a job, I'm privileged to have a job that allows me access to this pool a few days a week. Uh, this semester I teach at the university. But I'd rather come several days a week like I used to, but I'm just simply not able to do that. Since January, the pool's been so busy, the times I have come that I've had to wait to swim on several occasions, which creates pressure on me and on other swimmers. Of the nine most recent times I have attended, the average number of swimmers upon arrival was greater than six, 6.1. This data, thanks to my daughter, who happened to be swimming yesterday for the first time in ages, she said, throw me those numbers and I'll crunch the data. Mm -hmm. um, with a standard error of the mean of 0.9 variation, or somebody daughter tells me, I'm not sure, translation. Except in one case, more swimmers arrived after the snapshot of time. For example, yesterday, yesterday there were nine people when I arrived, and in the next 15 minutes, four people left, three arrived, so the total period of time, there were actually 12 people in the pool, but they were coming and going. Um, the pool has five to six lanes, depending on how many count them, and so the situation can be frustrating for swimmers who encounter delays and are forced to have shorter swims than they planned. I also worry that this diminished access to the pool to attrition. So, my hope is that long before the fall of 2022, administrators will expand hours during the weekday mornings and reinstate hours during weekday afternoons. I also hope that people who use and care about this pool will be given ample opportunity <coughs> to have a full discussion with decision makers. The only notice I received about cuts was an email four days before access to the pool was curtailed and then the email is titled Mercer Park Aquatic Center to reopen January 17th, semicolon, updated hours announced for cities and or pools. But there weren't any details in the email about the updated hours, but there was a link in the email to the access. So I'm not saying it wasn't available, but it was veiled. And at that point, I didn't change my schedule for the semester at all. Um, thank you for hearing this, and I appreciate the opportunity to share these ideas with you. Thank you so much, Ed. So I okay, just a couple of thoughts. Um, Mark Cannon, um, I've been swimming here for oh, 25 years, I'll bet. Um, and I, I, the big picture for me is that over the last 10 years, especially, I've had just this gut level feeling that this is a pool in decline, that the, the city may be not putting much emphasis on this facility. And I base it on the fact that um, a couple years ago, it was repairs, you know, like looked like band-aid repairs happening all the time. We'd have two weeks, three weeks a month, it wasn't available. The, the water temperature for a long two-year period of time was so unpredictable that some days you'd come here and I could not swim. I had to go and stick my foot in the water and my body would just, you know, tense up. So I thought, and Matthew, who was the pool director at that time, was great. He'd give us a lot of information and say, you know, we're trying to get that fixed. But in my mind, I thought if this were a commercial facility, this wouldn't this wouldn't be in business. Um, you know, and I'm, you're you're saying, well, it's not a commercial facility, um, and I get that. I totally get it. In fact, I really support and love the idea that this is for people that can't go to the commercial facilities. I think that's the niche that this 
this facility should hold. On the other hand, there's what I call the self-fulfilling prophecy, and that is if you don't have it operating well, you cut hours, less attendance. Less attendance, cut hours. You want to where I'm going with that. So I think it is, you know, I think emphasis should be put into this pool, and I think there's a wonderful marketing opportunity downtown here. We have the towers over here um, for people who have limited income. We have the senior center. Um, so I think that with really thoughtful marketing strategies that the attendance could be brought back. And the other barrier that I've experienced, and I've heard this from a lot of people, when I'm saying, why don't you swim downtown? I swim in the first I said, because of the parking. So to me, with all the technology that we have available in this world these days, I do not understand why we couldn't figure out something that would make parking a little easier for people here. You know, I'm not asking for free parking all week long. I understand that. But it seems that part of parking or swimming down here could be a electronic means of getting an hour or two here and there. So that's a barrier that I see to many people not using this, this facility. So anyhow, I will say this though, that um, I was talking to the lifeguards and I, I was saying, you know, why aren't we reaching out to these people? And she said, we are. And she referred me to the website and I looked and I saw what this the staff is doing to really get a lot of diversity into this pool, and it's amazing. You're doing a fantastic job of that, so you should all pat yourself on the back. Um, but I, I do think that there still is those other issues that, that I've already talked about. Thank you. Thank you so much, Brian. Appreciate those comments. I'd like to say a few words. My name is Susan Belliker, and um, I'm also here to talk about the pools, mainly. Um, I am from Iowa City. I grew up here, so I have many decades of experience. I swam here in high school. The only pool here was the rec center. Um, I use the pool four days a week right now in aquasides, which I'm one of the dreaded aquasizers. Um, um, and, you know, I started to go back to the pool last April, so I have a year, 12 months of experience here under my belt. Um, with watching the pools reopen after COVID, and you know, it was still basically closed last April and then May 1st at 3rd at OPN. And have, I've just experienced uh, increasing frustrations um, with the management of the pools. I'm just gonna say it out loud. Um, and it's things like, you know, and, and then I'm, I'm worried at the same time as a taxpayer, because I mean, this is all of our money going in here. And, sorry, I think that's my um, So, I mean, as a taxpayer, it concerns me to see, like, staff that really is not trained well, they're not, they don't know what the programs are, they don't, you know, they don't really do anything. Um, and I've seen it in Mercer, and I've seen it here. And, you know, if we're doing the best that we absolutely can, when I'm, and I'm, I'm also participated in all of the surveys, I just see a survey after survey after survey after survey. And the city park survey was like very, it just felt like, do you want a water park here? You know, yes or no. It was kind of, I, I participated on a Zoom call with a consulting company that you guys hired. So I'm seeing a lot of money being spent to um, you know, get feedback. And the kind of feedback that I wanted to give you tonight was, 
the feedback that those surveys are not asking about, you know? And that's when, you know, I, I come to the front desk and, you know, no one, as long as, if we're doing the best we can to market these facilities and make revenue out of these facilities, and the usership is still down, and things have to change, then that's, you know, that's the way it is. But I don't feel like that's what we're doing. I don't feel like they're marketed well, the programs in these facilities. I, uh, the technology with ActiveNet, I think everybody knows, is very antiquated, very difficult to utilize. I don't know if you guys have used it, but it's very hard to figure out. I mean, uh, I still have a hard time finding the pesticide you can go to sometimes much less someone else who says, oh, is that a class? Where do I get that information? It's a whole education in helping them do that. So I just look at it, like, and I will give you like a couple of examples. Last July, um, we paid, my partner and I, we paid $200 to, to do six aquasize classes a month at City Park and Mercer. And we were willing to do that because we wanted to jump start our you know, fitness, but then we go to the class, and the people in the class would say, oh, I just walked in the door. I didn't, I didn't register for this class. I didn't know it cost any money. Or someone else said, I just used my pool pass. You know, they, I know they put it on hold for two years for COVID. I just used that. And so what, you know, so, and, and the point of, you know, the point where that is checked is at the front desk, right? We have front desk people who literally don't read you when you walk in the door. They don't know what the programs are. Um, I did not register for a class I went to uh, like a week ago ahead of time. The, the walk-in fee is $6. If you register ahead of time, it's $4. I said, I didn't register for this class ahead of time. They didn't even know how to take my money. They don't even know what these programs cost. I mean, and I'm not faulting them. But they should know that, right? They should say, hey, what are you doing? Uh, greetings, why are you here today? Can I help you find something in the building? Uh, I don't know, you're here for exercise? Is your name on this list, right? None of that happens. And you know, then you go to Mercer, and the staff and City Park was the same issue last summer. Um, then you've got 10 lifeguards sitting around at City Park at a picnic table doing absolutely nothing. And I know they need to take breaks, but they could also get equipment out for a class that's starting, you know? There's just this disconnect between what the staff does, and it worries me because, number one, these, the staff people would pay 15 bucks an hour, I get it. Maybe pay them 18 bucks an hour and get, you know? But there just seems to be this disconnect between the programs the city has in these facilities and the employees that are supposed to police or follow those rules, you know? Um, there are, you know, I'm not gonna fault anybody for finding a warm place to sleep, but now there are homeless people taking showers and sleeping in the locker room here on the weekends. Why do we have a front desk down there that doesn't say, oh, did you wanna, are you gonna swim today? Are you gonna play pickleball? Are you gonna use the facility? So, and, and again, I'm not, Everyone deserves a warm place to sleep. I'm not going to fall down. But there's just a big disconnect. And the, the surveys you're doing are not capturing this stuff. 
And that's why I thought I would finally come down here and just, you know. I have finally, over the last year, I know what works in the programs that I want to use, you know. But because, you know, there's also, there's so, there's some simple things that could get done with the staff that aren't getting done. And they are not going to cost a lot of money. And I'll give you two examples. Get a whiteboard, which I raised a little marker that says, water fitness class in this section from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. That way, the people who go there for a water fitness class who might be new know where it's at. And number two, people who come and swim laps are not going to start swimming laps there because they know that 10 people are going to show up in five minutes and boot them out. These are simple things. So I just wanted to get that in your ears because I don't necessarily feel like it's always heard at other levels. So, thank, thank you so you. much for those comments. Thanks. Appreciate it. Is it appropriate to continue with pools? <laughs> um, I'm just here to agree with what's been said. I have the, uh, my name is Josie Newman. Uh, I'm a lifelong uh, Iowa City resident. Uh, I used all the pools. I'm a little biased against this one because I had a bad fall when I was little. Uh, the locker room, so I hope that you fix that. However, um, these are. I'm worried that we are not considering our core pool audiences. Um, to Anne's point, there are uh, many benefits to the, the services that are offered at the pools. At Orchard, um, the Arthritis Foundation uh, has a very strong community of uh, men and women who have gone through surgeries and have rehabilitated themselves, <clears throat> and they have um, developed friendships that extend outside the pool. They, um, <laughs> and to uh, Sue's point, they, they actually are better organized than the staff. Um, they can tell you where to go, and they have you sign in on their own sheet because they are um, sending their data back to the Arthritis Foundation. So if there's something that could be leveraged there with, I mean, I think some of the organizers of the groups would be happy to help out lift some of the load uh, for sign-ins. I think teachers want to know that too. Um, we have an active friend, Connie Marbury, who's an instructor, and she does a lot of work with getting people to use these programs, so I think that they would be happy to help out um, and educate some of our uh, younger staff members. Uh, educating staff members on why this is important to have this stuff helps them, uh, and these are our community members, help them uh, grow and be more job ready so they don't if they don't need to go to college, that's okay. They can get right into a career and understanding why you have to have KPIs, <laughs> performance indicators, how many people come to your class. I mean, this is something that we need to be instructing kids in from a young age. And then um, I, the city park pool, I hope that you'll consider maybe not making it a park. Um, this is, uh, I work at the university as well, and we just had a lot of discussion today about um, that being uh, an ideal place for us. To, I run international exchanges um, with young young writers in the summer, and we used to go up to Coral Lake. That's not safe anymore. There's oftentimes algae, uh, staph infections. It's not a good idea, and there's no lifeguards there. So when we come here, what we do want to, especially during COVID times, we want to make sure that we can be outside. The city park pool is an ideal place. Um, 
if we were to make it into a, a water park destination, that would really change uh, my ability to include that in my programming. One, it would change the risk management calculus. Um, so I probably would have to have extra waivers, and there's a good chance that risk management at the university would say, no, sorry, you can't. If you're going to do it that way and have slides, and we prefer you to use the lazy river in the indoor pool down here, um, which is sort of gets our plan. And then the other part is that adding the water park um, uh, makes me nervous. The other pools that have those uh, do not it's not as accessible, and it's really important that we are making sure that we're uh, including people with all mobility uh, levels. I really I do appreciate the, the measures that you have here in this pool, and at City Park, um, perhaps money could be spent to improve the chair on one side, but the zero entry baby pool has been just fantastic. That redesign is really lovely, so um, I would like to consider that instead. There are plenty of other places that people can go for a water park experience, and it might be nice to have one that's, and in your mind, it won't have to have as much insurance clearance. Thank you so much, Josie. Other... I want to speak and I apologize for not being better organized. And, um, Could we get your name? I'm Mary Bennett. I've lived in Iowa City for 50 years. For 18 years, I was a hybrid jogging instructor at here at this pool, three days a week. I want to talk about a lot of my concerns that have risen in the last few months, but I want to start with City Park, because I love City Park. I, want to my, I work at the State Historical Society in Iowa, where I've worked for 48 years. I knew people like Irving Weber, who loved that pool as it was. He loved it the way it was historically, when it had a viewing place where you could see people dive. I don't understand why this city is always rejecting its history and giving us a chance to follow the footsteps of our predecessors and understand nature and scenery the way they did. I remember coming to Iowa City, City Park in the 1960s when they had these wood merry-go-rounds and I still miss them. I still miss the carnival equipment down there. So you're diminishing little by little the value of that pool. I had to stand in line and wait last summer because it was overcrowded and you couldn't get in at certain intervals, so I understand its popularity. I'd also like to say that from my experience, I've seen more persons of color at City Park and at this school at the rec center than I ever saw out at Mercer, and I did teach classes on at Mercer. I want to talk about Mercer for a minute because the, it interrupted our classes many times because of swim meets and the cold temperature of the water that are there for the competitive swimmers. But also, those of us who have disabilities or senior people, it's very, very difficult to get into the pool on the deep end because the ladder is embedded in the wall. And if you have problems holding your body weight up or lifting your knee a certain distance, I had a lot of ladies who literally like fell in the pool because they missed that last step. So it's actually kind of dangerous. And I know you have a chair, but very time-consuming to put someone in that chair. They also are somewhat subject to observation by everyone in the pool, which is embarrassing if you're a person with a for those 18 years that I taught, the attendance would wax and wane. Always in the I had like 18 or 20 students in the pool. Now, over the course of the year, we probably settled into more like a dozen. But these are very faithful people. And I want to read an email that was sent to me from a former teacher and participant who just echoes some of my things. And I know you've heard it from other people. But the deep water aerobics class at Robert A. Lee Center is very valuable to many Iowa City and Corridor senior citizens. 
The water temperature at Robert A.E. is warmer than Mercer, and many seniors can't tolerate shallow exercise classes because of the impact on their joints, both knees and hips. Now I'll just say that when I had to go into shallow end, I couldn't really do it. It was very hard on my feet and my knees, and, and I'm facing hips and replacement surgery myself right now. Back to the email. It provides a wonderful and safe environment for seniors to exercise and have social interactions, <coughs> many of whom are alone at home most of the time. Again, I have to talk about the collegiality, about how mutually dependent these women are. They are like Can the owner of a Honda with a license plate ITS 821 come to the front desk, please? These seniors bonded like family. And if one of them needed a ride to the therapist or to go to the grocery store, we stood by each other. These are not lifelong friends. So I don't think we can emphasize enough the value of community building that happens during this exercise program. The classes are designed to benefit people of all ages and abilities. My students range from high school age to near 90 years. No low-impact water exercises help my students during their recovery. Are these low or no low-impact or low, no impact or low-impact exercises help them during their recovery from sports injuries or joint surgeries? Participation in shallow water aerobics and boot camp type classes is not feasible uh, for this particular group of people. So I just want to say I work two blocks away. I live six blocks away. This was the center of my universe. I think you have to kind of look at how the other half lives. I don't live in suburbia. I don't drive a car all over town. I don't live in a high-rise downtown. I am very, very dependent on City Park pool and this pool because I can get transportation there very easily. To go to Mercer takes me about 20 minutes, and it's just not as convenient. And I have other messages in my from you and your group, but also from my students who all wrote me about their concerns about this pool being threatened and also City Park, because the exact same thing happened to me that happened to this lady last summer. I enrolled and paid for a class. No one at the pool knew anything about it. When it would be held, who would be teaching it. I went to two different pool managers to explain to them that they should put it on their schedule, that they should expect these people to come. I never even, they didn't even ask me if I paid for the class. They would just wave me on whether they recognized me or not. So that's certainly an unfair playing field when some people are putting down a couple hundred dollars and somebody else is walking in. I love what you did with City Park Pool, the shower rooms, everything's clean there. I love the shower rooms at Mercer, but frankly, every day we complain about how brunchy these shower rooms were in this building. We had to ask for shower curtains to be replaced. We had to have mold washed off the walls. We did have a lot of problems with Matthew Deckard, and I was one of the people who tried to get him to pay more attention to giving us a quality experience. But Repainting it or doing a cosmetic thing over does not address the unevenness of the floor. When you put a new deck on, one of my students fell down and broke an ankle or something because it was so slick, so then they came in and tried to make it a little bit rougher. But I don't feel like your staffing and your management has any clue what the users are actually doing. And so I encourage you to improve your communication. When you do a survey, don't make it so slanted that it gives you the results you're anticipating. When you're, your self-fulfilling prophecy is in action, it's been in action for 18 years. If you are aware of it, the city manager wants to turn this flat lad. They've already had planning and zoning meetings about putting up the condos on the east side of this parking lot. So that threat to the flat parking was already there before, as was when they wanted to build a new pioneer co-op here on the north end of the parking lot. So I'm less concerned about parking than I am honoring this building. The architects who created it, Roland Wainer, 
Robert A. Lee, who I know and did interviews with about his involvement in D-Day in World War II, he was a hero. And to take this building and to treat it with such dishonor and disrespect actually bothers me. Because I know the people who were involved in the creation of the space, and I was a user of this space. I'm very, very respectful of it. And I'm urging you to be respectful, too. So sorry to get on my soapbox, but I don't agree with this need to transform places like City Park. If you want a water park, build it somewhere else on the edge of town where people can drive and park. <laughs> don't destroy the beauty of that. We would sit there at, at, and swim at, at the pool at 7 o'clock at night, and the sun would come in and shine on all the acorns in the tree and make it look like gold little balls. It's just a beautiful space there, you guys. I can't tell you enough how meaningful it is to me spiritually to go through the summer and, and, and swim at City Park. And also, I depend on these pools for my own mobility. I will be coming back. And I've seen so many, I've seen hundreds of women in particular who are women over their 60s who have come to this pool because of the lifesaver. And so I'm just there to represent their voices, and I appreciate your listening to me. Thank you so much, Mary. Appreciate your comments. Any other public items for discussion? Could I just ask that after this discussion, because you know, there have been a lot of opinions here, what would be the next means of communication? I mean, I, I didn't want to just come here and spill out a bunch of stuff yep. and you know, we all go home and life goes on. I, what is the communication vehicle after that? And, and I think transparency is the word that people are kind of seeking here in common. Yep. So, so I, yeah, I can, I can talk to that. Um, my name is Brad Barker. I'm the recreation superintendent with the uh, department here. Julie, our Julie Seidel Johnson, our director, is out on vacation this week. So, um, to to address that point, uh, we clearly, I think, want to add some agenda items in the future to about aquatics, and I, and I and they're all kind of different pieces of the of the bigger aquatics picture. And so, it could potentially be something where maybe we maybe we do some agenda items that address certain issues at a time that way because otherwise if we if we just say aquatics on the agenda it, we might it, we might not get focused enough to be able to tackle one or two problems at a time which is probably what we need to do there um, in in terms of I won't, I won't speak to everything just because it's not on an agenda but I, I will say um, I, I did hear some concerns about facilities and we, we have had some, um, some different consultants come in to look at the state of our facilities and, and a lot of your concerns have, are being addressed with those, um, with those results. And so that's, that gives us the ability to then make a plan for how we're gonna address those in the future and, and receiving the funding for that. Um, and, and kind of phasing some of those projects out. And so that, that uh, master plan in its final state, we're, we're hoping to have that completed by probably about June. And we are looking to have one more, um, one more public input component to that. That probably will be, I'm, I'm thinking later in April. And so we'll probably be hearing about that in a press release and opportunity. We'll probably be looking at certain topics to address, and I imagine aquatics would probably be one of those. Um, whether that's city park pool or the state of uh, the condition of all the pools that we have. So that, that would be my recommendation is we look to, to add something in the future for agenda items that would be tackling certain, some of those different issues, yeah. Can I ask a question about whether there are design 
the space in town because of the fact that real estate value is all a lot like this about millions and millions of dollars. This is publicly owned land. Are we abandoning this facility and not recognizing its value as teaching pottery and photography and water containing their independent recreational activity that it supports? There's, there's no plans to my knowledge. But there's pressures on this building. Not, pressures not, on, well, there's pressures on the parking lot. Not that I'm experiencing, not that I've heard about. Yeah, that to my to my knowledge, that's not that's not something that we're that's not something that I guess I should say that I know about. Have you asked but, the but I, manager about the long-term plans for the parking lot? I I have not. Um, that would typically be a conversation with Julie and the city manager, not myself and the city manager. So I I have not heard any, any plans about that. I think with our master plan, the what we wanted to achieve from that is, are we meeting the need, the recreational needs of the community um, in the locations that we're at, or are there additional locations that we need um, from, from where we're currently at right now? And so that, that's really what the master plan is looking to, to do, is try to find the blind spots that we have in where, what are we succeeding at with, with meeting the recreational needs of the community, and where do we have opportunities for improvement? And we know that we have opportunities for improvement, and that's, that's one of the reasons why we decided to take on this master plan project, is to really guide the direction of our department over the next 10 years, particularly the recreation division with the current plan that we're in. And just as a state bureaucrat, I know it's a popular chase after the brand new shiny thing. Like Terry Truglet Park, I love an investment in it, for example, but not necessarily reinvest in the older things. And sure. so I'm just asking to be mindful that we do appreciate the older things. Yep. And I think that the voices of the marginalized in this community don't come through the surveys, and they don't. No. In fact, they're not. They're not probably not here tonight. Those of us, most of us, can probably afford to do a private uh, venue, but we're choosing not to. So. Mm -hmm. Their voices aren't heard, and, and I think there's that saying: if you build it, they will come. You know, so if this becomes a very user-friendly building for some reasons that we already talked about, I think people in those categories who I highly support would increase your membership. Okay. I know this is out of order now since I was first speaking, but quickly I just want to pick up on the idea and the theme of community as a community center. The unexpected uh, gifts that come from me, a woman who comes in to swim, I had no intention of getting to know people necessarily. I've made wonderful friendships here. Many with, over the years, women decades older than I was. Now I'm in the decades older category myself. <laughs> but I've made friendships with women who have later come you know, over to the house and had tea and have shared events with me, family events, and got to know them. One of whom I, I was sad to read about in a butchery a few months ago. And I gained that friendship through coming here without even being in a class, an organized group. And so I think this facility is a wonderful place for unexpected community to be found. And for someone like myself, who, you know, I don't know, you're that metaphor of going to golf course or whatever it is, for me, the community center itself and even just the locker room, brandy though it is at times, that's where I've made a lot of friends who whose friendship I really value. And I've met people I didn't expect to meet, younger, older, different backgrounds, et cetera. So I just want to emphasize the importance of this place and the opportunities it has to nurture community in our community. And, and I wish we could hear the laughter and the singing together and the other things that happen with these people that you're not witnessing. 
And the conversations in the locker room. There you go. Yeah. So thank you so much for each of you coming tonight for voicing your concerns and also the things that you do love. We value your voices. So thank you for representing not only yourselves, but others as well. So thank you for that. And I think we'll definitely add kind of the aquatics <laughs> as a future agenda item to dive deeper on some of these topics as well. So we just need to pay attention to your agenda or how would we know this conversation is being carried out? That is the way that it works. Just pay attention to the agenda. If public comment is over, yeah. I would like to maybe take item eight out of order since we're talking about it right now. This might be a fine place to give staff some direction on what we want yeah. next time. Yeah. Is that not you? Yeah. So as I'm sort of listening to this, I think of it as falling into like two buckets. One are administrative concerns with aquatics that have much more to do with management and front desk and knowledgeability. And the other has to do with physical plant. So you're going to talk about physical plant as part of the master plan at a later time. I'm sure you've taken notes on some of the particulars that have been mentioned by people. Yeah. Yeah. So I would be more interested at the next meeting to hear about some of the particulars about management. Staff, training of staff, um, internal processes for when people arrive and how they're dealt with, intake, and then maybe as a component of that, some information about the change in times, what substantiated the change in time. Uh, I think that would be a nice place to start. Yeah, that sounds good. And if I could build on that as well, I think another one would be just the accessibility. So that came up a few times in a few of the public comment areas as well. And have that be a separate separate item. Yeah. Can, can I ask, where, where, where can we find when the next meeting is scheduled? Where, where do we look for that information? Or is this the third Tuesday of every month, or what is it? Yeah, so on the Iowa City website, if you look under Parks and Rec, so the week uh, the agenda items are always posted the week prior to the actual meeting. It's always kind of regular at this time. Thank you. Yep. Great. Since we were discussing item eight, are there any other future agenda items we can come back to? Okay. Any other future agenda items from the commission? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess I had a question about the uh, Park Foundation and how the commission maybe assists with any of the Park and Recreation Commission or Foundation um, and how the like priorities uh, are the fund, what's funded from them. And so I'm curious about where you're about that. Yeah, that, that's a good question for Julie. Yeah. Julie handles the foundation side of things. I really don't know yeah. a whole lot about that side of it. If it can be a future agenda. Sure. Future. Perfect. Yeah. All right. With that, we'll move on to item number four. So far as turnover. Brad. Um, yeah. Okay. So uh, what I wanted to do today um, is go over some preliminary results that we've had from our uh, recreation master plan, particularly from the engagement phase. So um, 
to provide a little bit of background to everybody, and we, we touched on that with some of the, um, the public comment side of things, but we undertook this uh, recreation master plan. We started this back in, in August, I think, of last year, and the fall was really filled with a lot of the engagement side of things. So what, what we were wanting to do was try to figure out what is our plan moving forward for the recreation division, particularly looking at the facilities that we have. We know we have some aging facilities, and um, we want to get some direction from the community on what they would like to see from us from a programming perspective, so looking at our programs and special events. And so uh, we commissioned with Barry Dunn and Associates, which Barry Dunn is a consulting firm that uh, they work on a variety of different recreation, parks and recreation master plan projects. They have a pretty significant experience working on those types of projects. And a lot of their team that we're working with has been parks and recreation directors. They've been in the field. So they kind of know what we would be looking for um, when developing the questions, developing the different instruments to be able to get that feedback from the community. So, um, so we did several different uh, forms of public engagement when we uh, took on this project. So um, this really kind of talks about or, or highlights the, the different methods that we use. So we had focus groups. So we reached out to a variety of different organizations and individuals that we know uh, were involved with our organizations and, and uh, or Parks and Recreation Department and also organizations that we knew might not be involved with our Parks and Recreation Department. And we wanted to gather more information from them and figure out, you know, do you utilize our services? If so, what do you like? What would you like to see? What don't you like? If you don't utilize our services, what can we do to change that? How can we get you more involved? Um, we know that there's a number of people that, that don't participate in Parks and Recreation for a variety of different reasons and we wanted to learn more about the different barriers that they might ex be experiencing to either coming to our facilities or going to the pools or participating in the different programs that we have. And so we had um, a number of different groups participate in the focus group uh sessions that we had we also did a statistically valid needs assessment survey that some of you may have received in the mail um, that was randomly generated we hired a firm that specializes in statistically valid surveys and putting together all the data for that um, called etc institute and so we had put that survey out. Once we received the results that we needed, we actually opened that survey up to the public, and we got another 250 or 300 surveys uh, turned back into us from that method as well. We did a variety of different pop-up events in the fall. So those were at our uh, rec and roll events that we had at different park locations. We really tried to hit all the different neighborhoods across uh, Iowa City to try to make sure that we're reaching a variety of different neighborhoods and that it was accessible to all. And so we engaged with the public at the parks, we invited people to come out, we had our rec and roll trailers, so we had games and activities and prizes and all kinds of different things for people to do. But then when they're there, we were also trying to engage with them to find out more information from them about do they participate in parks and recreation programs and what would they like to see. Uh, we also had a, a website that was set up particularly for this project called the Social Pinpoint website. Um, and some of you may have participated in that and uh, taken some of the different surveys that were on there. We had some surveys that were for people that frequently utilize our services, people that don't. 
Uh, there's a survey about barriers that some might experience to participate in parks and recreation. And then we have the question about uh, the city park pool and the future of that. Um, our pool out there is 70, it's going on 73rd summer and pools typically don't last that long. It, it may look beautiful when you see it, when you drive by or when you go to it, but behind the scenes, it's a, it's a bit of a mess. Um, mechanically, there's a lot of issues. Structurally, we're, we're leaking, um, I think it's 30,000 30, gallons a day, um, probably through broken piping, leaking piping in the concrete. And so, from a sustainability perspective, there's just some different things that we needed to do with that. So the question that we're posing to the public is what type of pool would you like to see? Would you like to see something that is more akin to what we have out there right now? Or would you like to see something that has maybe some more of the, the features that you were talking about that you would prefer not to see? Um, but, uh, you know, so it was interesting getting the feedback from the from the community, and we found that that definitely is a very hot topic item for a lot of people uh, on both sides of things, um, as our as our uh, survey results uh, showed. So, so what I'm going to do is just kind of go through this. I'll try not to take forever. There are a number of slides on here, but I'll just try to kind of highlight some of the main points. Uh, you'll be sent this this slide packet after this, probably tomorrow. And so you can look at it in a little bit more detail. I'll also send you the uh, survey results that we received from the ETC Institute. So those would be the statistically valid uh, results that we have that will really kind of guide our next part moving forward. So we'll be meeting with our, uh, our steering committee. We have a steering committee. Missy's actually on that. So you're actually kind of seeing the same show here today that, that you saw a few weeks ago. But we're going to be uh, we're going to be meeting again here probably towards the end of March to um, to really look at the data that we have and start to figure out the visioning. What do we want to do with this data? What direction do we want to move forward with this? Um, what are the additional questions that we want to go to the public about? What are we What are we finding from here that's maybe not so clear to us? What do we want to go back out to the public and say, hey, we need a little bit more feedback on this or that. Um, so that's going to be the next step. Then in April, uh, we'll probably do another public input session on a variety of different topics and probably leave it open to for public comment. Um, and then finalizing the, the report in May is really kind of our timeline right now. Present that to you. Barry Dunn will come in. I believe they'll be coming in present that to you. And then they'll also be presenting that to council once approved here. Um, and then it will be made available to the public, and that's really going to be guiding what we do. It's really our roadmap for the next 10 years on, on how we approach our facilities, how we approach our programs and events. So, so the focus group summary, we, we had 10 different focus groups that we met with. This is really kind of a, just kind of a summarizes the different groups that were asked to be put together for these uh, for these focus groups. We also had another focus group um, that we actually led that included uh, a lot of the athletic organizations that we have in the community. And so that really kind of summarizes the different groups that we had. We did have a couple different aquatics groups um, to talk about a variety of different concerns that we knew that were out there and get feedback on that. These were the questions that were asked. Initial thoughts about the department, commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, 
recreation centers, outdoor facilities, aquatics, and programs. Based on the, the groups that were participating in the focus groups, the questions were kind of tailored to that particular uh, focus group. I actually was not a part of those focus groups, nor was any of our other staff to avoid influencing any of the comments that were made in those focus groups. So our consultants led those exclusively. So this is what they found. What can the department do to be more welcoming to the community? Um, there was thoughts to be more inclusive to minorities and try to find ways to reduce barriers. And so this was, this was one of the questions that we were um, asking um, both in our statistically valid survey and our uh, public engagement uh, pop-up events that we had and social pinpoint had some questions on this as well. What we were really trying to figure out is how do people even feel comfortable coming to our facilities? And, and if they don't, why? We really want to know that so that we can address that and make this place more welcoming, make our programs more welcoming to others. Um, provide literature and programs in different languages. So that is definitely one of the, the things that you'll see that is consistent through some of the other results that we have is that um, you know we, we, we don't have necessarily the financial means, although that is improving within the city moving forward to be able to do more translation services. There's, we have some different um, DIY methods to be able to do some translation services, but from a city communications perspective, that's not always the proper way to do it. And so um, being able to get more funding for that is, is definitely something that we wanna be able to do more of in the future. Train staff on DEI, address transportation issues, um, a large population with disabilities that are not being served. You know, so finding ways that we can address that and provide all gender restrooms and family locker rooms. Um, and then one of the things that we consistently receive too, and this, is, this was also touched on by some of our public comment today as well, is improve and enhance communications and program promotion. So we wanna learn what is, what is the best method for being able to get the communications out to everybody, because what we've learned is that a lot of people, everybody uses different ways of, of achieving that. And so how can we better communicate with the public on being able to get that information about, hey, here's what we're doing with our facilities and our renovation that we're, that we're currently taking on, or here's some different program opportunities for you that you might not have known about. Um, during the focus groups, these were a couple questions that were asked. The, the focus groups were on Zoom. You know, I, I don't think anyone's gonna necessarily say that they would say a two or a three on these, so those might be skewed a little bit. Um, but people were indicating that both of those are very, very important to them. If the cost was the same, would you renovate City Park Pool to look the same as it is now? 45, 46% said uh, that's what they would do. And 54% said design a new pool layout with new amenities. So when we're looking at, and we do have some other questions that ask more about the different types of features that they'd like to see. So you'll see that in some of the other results from the other methods that we use. Um, does not necessarily mean that it would be a, a water park when we were looking at that, because I, I don't think most people in Iowa City would want the true water park experience. Um, but, it, but it does open up the concept of, could there be a water slide there? Um, could there be some, some different features that still have a wide open space? Because I think that that's an important thing to, um, 
to people that utilize City Park is having a wide open space, lots of lap lanes to swim in, um, you know, some some places for open swim because a lot of the a lot of the aquatic centers that you see don't really have that as much anymore. So just because they say that doesn't necessarily mean that it ha would have to be a water park, but that is kind of how that's split down with the focus groups. And then um, question about outdoor athletic fields for tournament purposes. So the needs assessment survey, so this was the statistically valid survey that was sent out to the public. Um, it was sent out to randomly selected residents it was a paper survey, but we did have an option for people to um, mail that in or uh, take an online survey. Uh, we did have a section in there that allowed them, it was the, I think the six most frequently used languages in the community that they could call in and um, have the survey read to them in their preferred language. And so we did have that option to them um, as well. The goal was to obtain 350 surveys and we received 450 uh, surveys back from this. And so, as I was looking through this slide earlier, I'm going to have to ask Barry Dunn about this because the numbers don't add up correctly. I noticed this when I was going through uh, in preparation for this um, presentation, that the numbers don't, don't quite seem right. but. The goal of the statistically valid survey was to get a representation of Iowa City from a demographics perspective that is, that is equivalent to what we are represented truly as. So that was, and, and that's in a variety of different factors. So respondents were asked to rate the importance of programs and facilities offered by the city of Iowa City. The top three responses were provide safe recreation activities for residents, provide opportunities for residents to, man to maintain and improve physical health, and provide low-cost recreation skill development classes for youth. Um, the top five facilities, I was actually kind of surprised by this, but this kind of goes back to this being a, uh, a hub for a lot of gathering, is Robert A. Lee Recreation Center was the one that came out with people most frequently. Uh, we had 70%. And so it, it does make me wonder if that could be for some of the special events. Usually when we have special events where we had just completed a Halloween special event where we had a thousand, over a thousand people plus that came through the facility and this was sent out right after that. So I don't know if maybe that was fresh in their minds. This is also the hub for people to do their recre or their um, program registrations. Most people come here rather than Mercer for program registrations. So it might even be just stepping a foot in the door registering with our customer service staff and then taking off. But we do see a lot of people utilizing other things too. You know, we have our social hall where people do gatherings for a variety of different reasons, our meeting rooms. So there could be a, there could truly be a lot of different reasons why 70% of the respondents found themselves here at some point or another in the, in the past. So outdoor pool amenities that are most important to respondents, lap lanes, 25%, shade areas, 23%, those are both very big. Deck chairs, 22%. Open recreational swimming areas, 21%. So those are those are definitely things that um, you know. With that question, we also had water slides and some of those other features as well. And these are the things that people were indicating were most important to them. 
and those are those are pretty typical of you know that that would be something that would be great at city park pool as it is right now um, so back to that question about the need to renovate Respondents were asked if the costs were the same, would they prefer a new pool layout with new amenities? 67% said yes. Renovate the pool to look the same as it does now, 17%. Um, so keep in mind, this is from our statistically valid survey. Uh, this is not necessarily indicative of people that utilize the pool, but could be people that would utilize the pool if there was features that would draw them there. Right, just if I can stop yeah. So this is compared to the pinpoint social were just sort of random Correct. surveys at events and across Correct. town. This is the statistical right, balance. Sort of yeah. Right. Yeah. I just want to make sure I yeah. understood. Yeah. But it's more of a split. It, it is more of a split. On, it may not be yeah. yeah. On the social pinpoint, I think when, when people were able to elect themselves to go to, and to the site and, and answer the surveys, um, we were finding it more, more split. Um, and then survey respondents were asking about their support for um, sports fields improvements for uh, large youth and adult sports tournaments. So that talks about their level of support for that. So they actually had 66%. The, the question that wasn't asked is to, to what degree financially, um, you know, which is certainly a question for a lot of these different things. That's the, that's the big dollar cost side of things. Um, you know that that's going to be where we would eventually get the most feedback from the public is should we go for a bond referendum for a city park pool redesign um, what what is that number that people are comfortable with you know what are what are people comfortable with for from a sports facility side of things so so they're supportive but you, you know and that can go for pools too right um, and then 82%, so going back to that question where we had the 9.2 out of 10 people were saying that they, they would support this, 82% on the statistically valid survey said it's very important or important for the city to fund programs for underserved populations. So that's something that we're, we're very passionate about. And so we were glad to see that the, the community agrees with us on that. Um, okay, so these are priorities and in investment. Uh, top priorities for investment in recreational center, recreation center amenities. So this is kind of the breakdown, the number of people that said these were the features that they were wanting. Top priorities for investment in recreational programming. So we were having a lot of people saying that they wanted adult fitness and wellness programs and nature programs and farmer's market came in second and third there, which is not a surprise with farmer's market being on that list. Top priorities for investment of outdoor pool amenities. So people are wanting shade out there. I hear ya. <laughs> yeah. uh, lazy river, deck chairs, lap lanes recreational swimming areas. So lap lanes, again, is something that people are indicating that they, even if we were to go to a new design, people are indicating we, we've got to make sure that there's lap lanes in there and, and open recreational swimming areas. Top priorities for investment in pool programs, water fitness classes came out there, um, lap swimming. 
senior aquatic programs, swim lessons and open swim. So these are just these are the top priorities. There was there was other options as well. So pop-up events. Uh, so these are these are the events that we did. Um, and I should preface, there, there's a lot more data behind this. This is just a very like baseline summary of, of our findings. Um, but like I said, I'll, I'll send you the, the, the results of the survey, um, the, the statistically valid needs assessment. Um, and then when we release this to the public, that will, be a, that will be available for you all to see as well. So we held 17 different pop-up events for during September and October with four activities at each event. So we asked them basically that priority, that priority in funding, so recreation facility funding. We gave everybody three $5 bills, play money, and we had different boxes for different facilities and amenities, and we asked them, let's say these are your tax dollars, how would you invest them? I'm sure you've seen that at other places. We had a card that indicated program interests, so they could select as many or as few as they wanted but we had a variety of different categories um, of programs that they would like to see that either they currently participate in with us or they'd like to actually see us do. Um, and there was a, an open space for people to write in their own suggestions for programs too if, we, if our categories didn't cover what they were wanting. Future city park pool, so the same question that you've, that you've seen in the other uh, surveys, A or B. Uh, and barriers to participation. So we wanted to find out barriers to participation for our facilities and barriers to participation for our programs. And so we had a variety of different options there, but we also had uh, some write-ins so they could select as many or as few as they wanted there too. So trying to replicate the, the online experience, the statistically valid survey experience that they would get in a very like short, easy to digest format. Some people participated in all the different activities, some people participated in none. We also had uh, comment cards available for them too to just write down their, their thoughts. Um, and then we were also at the library for a few days collecting feedback as well. So I don't, I don't know how, how easy that's gonna be to read. But of the dollars that people were putting in, outdoor aquatics and indoor aquatics were the top two. Um, and then recreation centers and outdoor fields were, were three and four. So the programs that people were indicating that they were interested in participating in, aquatics, farmer's market, nature and environment, um, cooking, gardening, so getting outdoors, fitness programs. So those were some of the top, the top options that people were selecting, kind of consistent with what we were seeing from our uh, statistically valid survey. Uh, and then for the results of the city park pool redesign or renovation, 63% uh, said design a new pool layout, 33% said renovate with the same layout or similar layout. Facility barriers. So um, as this gentleman indicated earlier, parking fees is something that 25% of the respondents indicated that as a, was a barrier for participation in facilities. Um, and a, a lot of people just indicated that they're busy. They have a lot of different things going on and so they can never really make it out to any of our programs or, or facilities. Program barriers. 
Um, and again, going back to what we talked about with the communication side of things, uh, a lot of people didn't know that the program's activities even existed. So, so what are we doing from a communications perspective to change that? What are the tools that, that we need to have in our arsenal to know that that's going to resonate with the public in A, B, and C, or even more options? But those are the different things that we know we need to do a better job on. And so how do we, how do we get there? But that's something that, that people were indicating that was a barrier, yeah. I'm just wondering if, if we know that that's a barrier, people don't know about the activities, are we asking what's a better way? Like, was that something that was discussed? Yeah, yes, that was one of the questions on the, on the statistically valid survey, I believe, was how do, you, how do you find out about our programs? And what would be your preferred method? So, and then there was a lot of different options. Yeah. Legit. Yeah. TikTok. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely for the younger crowd. Get sure. Julie on TikTok. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'll get him here. That will. That will. Okay, so for our social pinpoint summary, um, we had 642 unique stakeholders who provided 409 comments. So, those were open ended, open ended comments that people could provide on a whatever subject that they wanted. So some, some ended up pertaining to recreation, some ended up pertaining to parks and other things, but that's all right. We'll take, those, we'll take that feedback. Um, and 667 surveys were submitted through that, through that site. So here's the responses from, just highlights from the 462 responses that we had. Uh, for those that say that they do use our facilities and our programs. So I'll let you read that real quick here. survey we had 84 responses for that and this is what they said generally ideas wall we asked residents to weigh in on five different topic areas so we broke that up into five different categories as you see up there um, programs and activities recreation centers athletic fields aquatics special events actually didn't really have much um, feedback so these these were some of the, just the the comments that were addressed on the ideas wall so it, they're just very very basic some different ideas there from view events by North Liberty. <laughs> yeah, they said, look at what North Liberty's doing. <laughs> special. I noticed when they, when I looked at the idea wall, a lot of people were talking about like trails or let's put a bridge across right. the river, which were not things that you were asking. Correct. Correct. So. Yeah. So is that feedback on the park side of things? We we did a master plan back in 2017 for that um, that we've been utilizing, implementing. 
but yeah, it, so those will those will kind of be filtered out in the in the final process. They'll be available for people to see because we'll have full transparency. We'll have everybody's comments um, in the in the appendices. But yeah, there was definitely some comments about that. Um, and this was the responses on social pinpoint. Oh, yes. So for the athletic um, fields, are they like working on uh, doing like working on fixing up the fields or doing anything as far as like spreading the word out there as for the fields that they have there right now? Or yeah, we. So, so as far as uh, contacting the organizations that utilize that, yes, we we uh, offered them to participate in a focus group session so that they could come in, they could bring a representative in to kind of talk about their main concerns about different things, and then they all had the opportunity to participate in the, the survey or the study as well. So renovate city park pool, 46% said that yes. Design a new pool layout, new amenities, 41%. So that actually was switched. So on social pinpoint, that was actually switched from the other results that we were seeing. This is how people kind of asking that same, how would you invest your dollars? This kind of recreated that exercise for them. Future investment in recreation facilities. So recreation, I don't know if you can really read that very easily. Recreation centers and indoor aquatics were the, and outdoor aquatics were the three largest there. So high level themes, so when taking all the top, all the data into consideration, the following themes rose to the top. City park pool renovations, definitely something that people were very passionate about. Uh, the future of Iowa City's indoor pools. So one of the things that you, um, that we aren't necessarily sharing today with the reports, because it's gotta be packaged. We have, we have reports from three, three different engineering firms that looked at our pools in different ways. Um, ADA accessibility, um, structural integrity, and then um, I can't remember. They, both of them looked at structural integrity in a different way. So they all had different reports. So they need to be combined into one that really kind of makes sense for people to be able to digest. But um, but that was something that we were looking at, and people do have concerns about that. The future of Iowa City's indoor pools. What are we doing with our recreation centers? How can we better meet the needs of the community with the rec centers that we have in place? What kind of renovations do we need to do to make it more attractive for people to come in? That reduces some of the barriers, that makes it more accessible for people to visit us. Um, program promotion, you know, that, how are we getting the word out about what we do? We do so many different great things through our programs and events and facilities and the different things that we offer. How are we spreading the word about that? How are we telling our story? And Mercer Pickleball Courts, we had a lot of people uh, talking about the state of the courts out there and wanting to see something done. So, um, according to the survey results, City Park Pool is the second most visited facility at 61%. And the top priorities for investment for outdoor pool amenities include shade, lazy river, dust deck chairs, lap lanes, and open recreation areas. Um, for pool programs, people want to see water fitness classes, lap swimming, senior aquatic programs, swim lessons, and family swim. And this kind of talks about the pop-up pop events again, some of the data that we just covered. 
And this shows the city park pool renovations combined results from all engagements. So the the one the one misleading thing about the way that this is structured is it's not it's not weighted. So we had far fewer participants, let's say, in our focus groups than we did our our surveys. Um, you know, we had a lot of people with onlines, but we didn't have as many people with the pop-up events. And so it's not it's not exactly weighted appropriately. So we'll make sure that that has maybe a little bit more weight to it with those results when the final report comes out. But that that kind of shows what 35, 36% were wanting to renovate with the same layout. 56% would like to see a new design. When asked how should we invest in our facilities, indoor aquatics ranks second behind recreation centers. And then how important is it that every child learns how to swim? And this is one of our this is one of our main things on the recreation side that we are really, really striving to do through um, through our Rec Assist program, which reduces the cost of programs by 50%. We also have some different grants av available to us and different funding to be able to make swim lessons to free to anybody, children and adults. And so that's something that we're, we're constantly trying to push the word out. We, we try to get the year of uh, different before and after school programs and we've had some partnerships with them to try to bring them in to do some different swim lessons with their groups. Um, yeah, 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 exactly. And so 92% said that's important and we could not agree more fully on that. And that's something that we're always striving to, to do more of. Sometimes it's just not having the, the pool space um, during the hours that kids would be available. We have you know, plenty of space during the day, but kids are in school. <laughs> uh, evaluation of Robert Ailey indoor pools. Um, the majority of them are saying three. That's kind of with one being very dissatisfied and five being very satisfied. So 397 responses. So I think that's kind of a <laughs> could use some work. Uh, Mercer, not surprising. That was ranked a little bit higher. Um, that is our newer of the two pools. Um, you know, it has some different funding resources available to us with our 2080 partnership agreement with City High. So we get some additional resources there to be able to, to do some different things with that facility. Um, and then here's here's some different comments made on the ideas wall for indoor pools. Let you look at that real quick. I swear we're getting towards the end. Yeah. We're, we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. responded that aquatics is their favorite program area. Um, so for the benefit of time I'll just let you read these slides real quick. Yeah we're almost there. So on the social pinpoint site, 
how do, how do you get your information about programs and events? So most people were saying social media or word of mouth, actually. We've been doing a lot more with ActiveVent on the way that we promote. We have this, this robust database of um, you know, people that have participated in different programs. What do they like to participate? What have they enrolled in the past? And so last couple of years, we've made more of a concerted effort to utilize that resource, that information to us to be able to uh, really kind of target different programs to people that might be interested in that. Because we don't want to spam people about every single program that we have. Um, but it's kind of fine-tuning some, of some of the nuances with that. All right, so like I said, the next steps is we're really going to be working with our steering committee to package this all together, go back out to the public again, get a little bit more clarity on certain items, and then finalize our master plan that will really kind of lead us into the future. So any questions on that? So when does this actually get into, we go back to the public, yep. we get the next, when do we start? So we go back to city council and we say, okay, this yep. is going to cost X, then we start parceling out the yep. cost over X amount of years. Yep. So when do we start seeing some of these pieces start? Hopefully immediately. I, so, so with this, with this um, master plan, we're going to be receiving recommendations also with some... Um, like priorities, like this yep. is the first piece you yep. got to do. Like, yep. I'm presuming like with City Park, like leaking like a sit, like that's got to be like maybe top... I mean, yeah. presumably some of these rise to the top. Yep. That's the that need. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so with the facilities reports, they have gone and they have prioritized okay. the recommendations for improvements for that. They've also looked at potential costs for those improvements as well. Um, and then this, the same thing would really be kind of said about all of our other facilities. They'll have that report. They'll give the recommendations. They'll also give the recommendations for here's some different ways that we could be better meeting the needs of the community from a recreational perspective on the programming side of things as well. And so they'll give some recommendations on here's the different things that you should be doing. And here's some different measurement tools to, to show are you, meeting, are you meeting those goals? Are you meeting those objectives? Did they use any like um, population projections like ten years out? Because I mean, we're going to be growing, and like, did they do any like neighborhood plat projections of like yeah. this neighborhood is projected to grow here and this one here, and then make sure that? I think they've done that to some degree, but that's a good question. Though. I'm just curious if yeah, no, I mean, no, it's very, it's very are, the population we are now is not yeah. who we are in 10 years, sure. and do we need a new facility X, Y, Z? I'm just yeah, trying to think, I, if it's it, a 10-year plan, that's a long-term planning. It, it yeah, is. That was it, discussed in brief detail in one of our steering yeah. committee meetings that, okay, that the plan at least needs to address. Yes. Um, probably the, a changing landscape yes okay, okay. Uh, just I mean that's just something well, I would think. yeah because it's going to look different in five years I mean in ten years we'll be doing this again but yeah I mean but, but, in, but in five years though ten years is a very very long strategic plan like yeah. usually you have like a one-year plan a three-year plan a five-year plan ten years is there'll be there'll be different marks along yeah. that plan so when I say ten years it's not like all these things should be completed in 10 years. There'll right. be 
there'll be recommendations on time frames for some of those things. Like a swim, a new swimming pool, that's going to take us several years to figure out. And yeah. 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 So, yeah. And, and looking at recreation centers, you know, is, is yeah. this. Big, big yeah, projects. yeah, yeah, yeah. No. The, yeah. There will be some, definitely some some low hanging fruit, so to speak, that we'll be able to kind of tackle right out of the gate. Yeah. yeah. You have a question? Yeah, I think you kind of just. I was wondering to what degree some of the projects are ones that will fund off our capital budget, and which ones require a bond, a bond issuance. Yeah, sure. But I guess that's really just a question of the magnitude. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 Budget years. Yeah. 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 And that, of course, will be. Yeah. Yeah, especially that one. Yeah, yeah. A, number, a number of the, anything that would probably be more um, just renovations to current facilities would most likely fall under capital improvement plan projects. Anything that would be a new facility would definitely be a bond for sure. Uh, but there, that would be a bond. <laughs> that would definitely be a bond referendum for that. And so that's where I think people will. Be very vocal about you know what is what does that look like what kind of pool are we looking to fund and people will have their say when it comes time for that so yeah yeah um i had a question regarding uh, i think it was like 16 percent of people did not answer the question related yeah. to new pool or like new design or not did we see that type of activity on other questions where people there were there were some that that just chose not to answer. All of our questions were optional for people. So whether that was this, through the social pinpoint or through the, the survey, the statistically valid survey, or pop up events that we did, people had the option to not select it. We didn't have anything where you had to select it to continue. Um, but the the pool was maybe where people didn't didn't go. They didn't have a they didn't yeah they didn't really care. Um, and then I also wondered in looking at the slide about like, what amenities people want at the versus what activities they want to do there, what they want to do by decorating, it seems like they're a little contradictory to me and and I'm not sure if that's some if that's a correct assumption, but like people are saying like we want lazy rivers and, and slides, but yeah. we also want open swim and like swimming classes and we want yeah. lap swimming and so and to, and like, to add on top of that, people don't want us increasing the footprint out there either because of you know the, the serene nature that we have out there as well so that's another yeah. concern so that and that's and that's the task ahead is how do you how do you best meet all those all those they different want it all. Yeah. yes <laughs> a, a lazy river would be tough I think if you were to still have the open swim I think you could still potentially have slides and still have a lot of area for for swimming and lap swim so I I think that there might be a good balance between some of those some of those things. So that that would be the next step in that process is starting to talk to pool builders and look at examples of what can be done and what is the footprint and you know what might be feasible for for our pools. I think people really like City Park as a as a host site for that. So I don't I don't anticipate that we would be trying to change the location there, but. And just the practicalities of that. I mean, you're really talking about taking that out for a whole season as you yeah. pull it out and yeah. rebuild it, right? Yeah. It's a whole season. Yeah, it, it most likely would be. Yeah. I think with as big of a pool as it would be. Yeah, yeah it seems like that. Yeah, I mean, because it's not like you can do it over the winter. Right, exactly. <laughs> so. exactly. Yeah, there would be a certain time frame that they'd be looking at, and it would probably overlap the summer, unfortunately. Yeah. But if but if that's the site that you want, yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah. Any other questions? 
Okay. Appreciate I'll it. Hand it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for your patience. Yeah. Tyler. Yeah, so uh, agenda item five, um, Montgomery Butler House discussion. It's something that's uh, come up in um, the last few meetings we've had we've had some interest from the commission, just uh, um, what it is, what the future of it is. So you got a I think a hundred and three or eight page uh, summary there. A lot of that was from a study that was done, I think in 2000, it might have been 1999. So um, keep those outcomes, or keep that time frame in mind with those outcomes. What we all wanted in, you know, 20 some years ago might not be what, you know, like we talked about the plans, 10 years out is a long way, it's 20 years, 20 plus years is a long way as well. Um, but it did give some, it did give a good snapshot of uh, what was discussed at the time kind of uh, led up to the decision to, um, they call them off-ball in a way, the existing uh, facility. Um, I think included in your packet, there were a few photos of the current conditions. Um, so the um, success of that mothballing may have been, you know, to a certain extent, but it was probably never meant to last mothball for 20 plus years. Um, so we're seeing some of that. Um, you've got a couple of uh, reports um, in there that hope we've had a chance to uh, um, to read um, from uh, the Historic Preservation Commission, um, also from uh, the Planning Department, and then from uh, from Julia as well. Um, so I guess now we're we're coming to you tonight with kind of. Um, what you may see as the next step um, um, for recommendations, um, uh, kind of your goal and vision for what that may look like. So this, of course, has been my hobby horse. Like for a while, like everyone into giving me a report. So my initial impression was that this was a part of the park system, and when it was first introduced to us, I think it was at the September 2021 meeting, and. It was mentioned that perhaps we were responsible for putting the new roof on, we just came off the park's budget, um, and that it was within a park. And in our last meeting, it was said that actually it's not in a park at all. This is, I mean, it is called a whatever waterworks park, but it's not really a park. It's really just some city property, we think, that largely belongs to one of the utility companies. Yes? Yeah, I can touch on that a little bit. So it's part of the water division's complex. Um, we do share in some of the maintenance and uh, um, items out there. For instance, our staff plows most of the snow in the winter. Um, the water staff plows to their infrastructure. Um, we, uh, we help them manage the prairie to a certain extent, but they have staff that does some of those things as well. Um, so they're largely, um, I guess, a higher percentage of it falls on the water department and public works, but but we're still partnering on some aspects of the, the park, I guess. And it's probably perceived more as a park, like, like you would have had your, your initial perception as well, um, rather than just a water facility. That but it's a public or not going about going on yeah. hikes and going to visit the yeah. dilapidated house or anything like that. Yeah, so it's it's not an easy answer to that because we do kind of share as a city as a whole and, and our expertise and, and help the staff on different items out there. I think there's an item for public comment. Yeah, there's a public comment. Um, 
well, I'm the chair of the Historic Preservation Commission. My name is Kevin Boyd. Uh, I was a Parks and Recreation Commissioner for a couple of years in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, which is dating me, but I was very young in that time. But, you know, I, I can't throw this kind of thing without starting with a little bit of history because I, I care deeply about Iowa City history. But, you know, in, in May of 1839, uh, you know, it, it's a little intimidating to have uh, someone who knows more obviously history than I do here. You see, I'm the expert in the room, and we've got one who's a, a bigger expert. So you can provide some notes later if I, if I screw anything up. But, uh, you know, May of 1839, uh, Iowa City was chosen kind of out of, uh, of nothing to be the home of the new territorial capital for the state of Iowa. The problem was there was no building for the legislature to meet it, right? There's no, it was, it was nothing here, essentially. And other cities were, were angling to be the temporary city for the capital, and uh, until the building was built, it was the idea of taking over uh, the, the capital from there. Um, and Walter and Elizabeth Butler were among the first settlers in Iowa City. They, were, they quickly kind of built a frame structure and offered it to the legislature to, to meet. Butler's capital is called the lean to capital. I think the lean was maybe it was constructed quickly, so maybe had a little lean to it. Um, saving kind of Iowa City's place as a future capital location. And in my mind, these guys are kind of like the godparents of Iowa City, right? Um, two years later, in 1841, new arrivals were still very exciting news to the pioneers. The second territorial governor arrived. Citizens flocked to the hotel where he was staying to try to meet him. When a steamboat arrived later uh, that year along the Iowa River, impromptu parties were thrown, kind of welcoming the idea of a steamboat coming up here. <laughs> that senior, though, two African Americans and their family, uh, Frank and Martha Reno from Ohio, arrived to purchase a lot across from the future capital and build a home for their young family. But they discovered some newly passed racist black codes that the territorial government had passed as a means, to a means to discourage black people from coming to the state. The Renos, now in Iowa City, needed a white person to put up a $500 bond for them to stay. The Butlers, again community leaders, uh, secured that bond and trying to change the tone, uh, at least in Iowa City, from what's happening at the state, which feels very familiar to me. <laughs> uh, the godparents of Iowa City, the Butlers, built this house that we're talking about on the bluff above the Iowa River. Walter died, Elizabeth married Montgomery, uh, Montgomery uh, sorry, Ma Martin Montgomery, and the families, uh, kind of, I envision kind of like a Brady Bunch family, uh, their kids kind of ran a ferry service at that spot to help pioneers cross the Iowa River. <coughs> there are very few historic assets as old as this property. It's pre-Civil War from 1857-1859. It deserves a conversation about what that should happen to that site before its history is gone, and 165-year-old buildings is simply out of the building. And that's where our commission uh, is asking to do, to just kind of join the conversation, some folks from our commission, some folks from your commission, uh, other stakeholders, people that use the trails, people that use uh, the park, uh, and, uh, and make a decision about its future, because the lack of decision is, means that we're not making uh, I will make the point, Julie recommends that the staff uh, does not recommend renovating the structure, and that's not actually what the current request is. Our request is to have a conversation through a working group um, to explore what should happen and investigate ideas. It may not be feasible, but the status quo isn't working. It's been 21 years, I think, or 22 years since the last conversation about this. Um, so our request is really just to kind of create a group of stakeholders and make a recommendation of some kind of decision.
Um, you know, I, the idea is including professional staff, people from commissions, as well as trailing park users. Citizens often have great ideas that we don't consider. You know, if the spot is 80 feet, 70, 80 feet from the trail, there may be a trail user who has a vision for what this could be that bikes on that or walks on that trail um, right along the beach street every day. Uh, anyway, uh, so I think you know, the last time something was proposed for uh, Waterworks Park, the, the solar display, um, you know, 100 or more emails were sent to city council, so there's a lot of passionate park users there that may have an idea about what to do with this. Previous city leaders made this commitment when they acquired the structure. They uh, signed an agreement that said they would renovate it when funds became available. It's been longer than I was the end person on this commission since they made that agreement. Um, and it may not be feasible, but if we're going to add waste to the landfill, kind of destroying the embodied energy, stakeholders should be involved. If we are going to explore reuse, stakeholders should be involved. Ideas, cost, feasibility should be explored, even if it's a long-term uh, plan. We're not suggesting that this is something that's prioritized over existing priorities, just something that we should, that the broader community should take into consideration the historic site, the historic nature of the site, the age of the building, and uh, recreation and parks opportunities, and think about what could be could happen, and make some kind of recommendation definitive in some kind of way that includes the stakeholders so that we can uh, recommend the kind of city leaders have before. So I encourage you guys to be willing conversations, partners in that conversation, and, and help partner with us to form some kind of work. Can, can I actually add to that? Um, that was on my bus route. I, I found one of those out there. And the city was able to take the two houses, uh, commercial, like for family homes that live right next to it, and they were able to create that new waterworks like facility. That actually um, dried up the well <laughs> that is outside the city limits where I worked at Funcrest. Um, and it, so it seriously impacted our aquifer. I'm glad that it improved the water for Iowa City in, in town citizens, but um, it seems fair to say if you're going to uh, detract from some of the resources for people who live out there, then the city needs to give back to the people who live out there as well. Because we don't get to use some of the Iowa City stuff. I can't actually go for city things, so it doesn't seem fair that you can, the city can move out there and interact and take away from things, but not, you know, pay it back in some other I want to echo the historical significance of this property and how rapidly we seem to be losing the buildings and structures that remind us of the earliest days of the founding of this town. The visions that were articulated 20, 25 years ago, Colette Cole put together two big boxes of research files on the history of this uh, myself and Jan Cole and other people went out and photographed, but I think we hoped that even if it was mothball, that it could be a site that people could hike up. They would not be invited to try to enter it or vandalize it in any way, but it wouldn't be unlike the city park cabins that we just worked with Joyce Carroll to rehabilitate, and that was funded partly through Historic Resource Development Program funding, which is offered to the State Historical Society of Iowa. So as you develop your vision, I think the opportunity to Again, restabilize it after this time, but I'm not suggesting we put new windows in and open it up as a facility to use, but rather that we honor it as a monument in place. It's almost like a ruin of history, but I really hate to see it disappear. It, there are very few remnants in this town of that era. We're just raising towards destruction. So I just want to say there's a lot of documentation, there's a lot of opportunity for funding, and we just haven't looked at it in a long time. So I'm glad it's back on the table.
I really appreciated having the opportunity to read the entire, I didn't read the entire hundred whatever pages, but I read a lot of it. And then hearing your words about it, it's, it's a really fascinating story. And um, even somewhere about halfway through it, um, among all the proposals, there was one about a, like the story of water as a possible idea to make use of this building. Um, talking about the river, the ferry, the waterworks park right there. And that was something that, that my brain kind of snagged on as something that I'd love to hear more about. So regardless of what's done with it, I do agree that like, I would wholeheartedly support whatever conversation starting is needed with the Historic Preservation Commission. Um, I, I don't want this to be lost either. I think it's, you know, you go out there and look at it. It is dilapidated. It doesn't look like much, but it's our history and it's not replaceable. So yes, I don't know if we move, if we need to have more conversation about how we want to support this, if everybody else wants to support this, but I, for one, definitely do want to see more conversation started. If I could just elaborate, elaborate, it's a rare opportunity to interpret African-American history in this community. Mr. Reno was a barber who cut the hair of the legislators. When he passed away, his wife became one of the first female property owners in the city. She had a lot right across the pedigree. So both men and women can tell the story of African-American experience in this town, and let's not neglect that. So I guess what we're looking for is uh, just the what the commission feels is the next step, uh, how you want to respond if it's being involved, which I've, I've heard, uh, I think, is, is what Melissa has said, and whatever that conversation is, um, if, you know, you come to a decision one way or the other, if that's what you want to pass along um, to council or um, the other commissions, that would be appropriate. Um, any of those directions, you can really go. Um, but we really are kind of looking for that direction, I guess. Sounds appropriate to potentially have more conversations with the Historical Commission and Mr. Boyd if some members wanted to be part of a conversation. I mean, it seems like some type of conversation to come to some kind of consensus potentially makes sense. I don't know if that seems to make sense to me. So is there a motion to... <laughs> or is there anyone who yeah. would want to serve on it potentially? Or who has a historical? <laughs> 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 my recommendation, what my request, I think, to the commission from the, from our commission was, if you guys are interested in partnering on having a conversation, and please other stakeholders, that we would request jointly. I'd write like write a memo uh, to the council, to the city manager, so to tell the council. I think, hey, all, all these commissions are in place. They want to have a conversation. We probably will staff support to do that, include some other stakeholders. And then, and, then they, and then have staff kind of help direct what the, the roadmap actually is, rather than us trying to, to solve it here, I think. But that's, that's our commission's request. Is so would it, uh, a resolution from this commission that you could bring along with your own to the council is what you have in mind? Yeah, I think if you just say you're supportive of a, of a, of a working group. A joint commission. Yeah, a joint a working group as an outline, I think, is probably enough. Yeah. I will CC your, you know, I'll make our commission meetings tomorrow night. We're not going to talk about it because it's not the agenda, so it'll be next month. So I can make sure I CC you guys in your next packet, and your meeting will be the day before we talk about it. So if there's concerns about our 
memo, as I write it, you can share them at the next meeting, and then you can amend it for the following meeting. So is there a motion? Maybe we should wait until we get your memo. I mean, then you'll get, we'll... Well, you have the memo. That's the one? That's the one I sent to you guys. And then... I was thinking the one that you're going to send to the council. Oh, like one of the council just be like, hey, we, we all agree that you should have a working group. And then there's an outcome. So is there a motion to form a working group? The other commission? I'm so good. Sorry. Okay. All of them. Favor? All of them. Who moved that first? Just for ease, Melissa. Yeah. Yeah. And second. Second of everyone. Yes. Okay, thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll be in touch. I appreciate what you guys all do with your public service. It's very valuable to us. So thanks for your time today. Thank you. I completely missed every survey and every input. We need to have the pool. So thanks for letting me show up today. Yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you for listening. I appreciate your work. And I learned a lot today. No, oh, reports first from city staff. Right. Okay. Well, keep me posted. Um, I, uh, I have nothing for two weeks. Um, report. I, I just have a couple things just for the sake of keeping things very short. Um, we did make the announcement to our vendors for Farmers Market uh, two weeks ago that we are canceling Wednesday Market for this year. Um, Tammy had actually, Tammy's actually not working for us anymore in our department. She's moved over to the city hall, but uh, she made one final appearance tonight. It's a re reunion tour. Do you have another one? No, we'll see. We'll see. That's the guess. That's the one. So we are restructuring our positions. We have two vacant positions right now. Uh, we have a special events and communications position that's open that that's actually going to be taking on farmers market as well. And then the communications that that person has is reduced from our department wide to just recreation. And so it makes things a little bit simpler. So then it's just directly under my purview rather than it being under my purview and Julie's purview. It just became a little complicated with that position. Is that and then and then that that communication for everything else for parks trail closures all that good stuff goes over to the administrative coordinator position and so both of them are posted flat were the special events and communications program supervisor position closed on Friday of last week oh. and the uh, administrative coordinator position closes I believe this Friday Monday Monday yeah. okay. Yeah, so we'll have we'll have a couple new people working in our in our department. So, but yeah, right now we're we're down to two positions. So, feeling hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's that's all that I have to announce today. But, um, not a whole lot of other updates. So we'll keep it a little brief. Um, we're working a lot on on tree planting plans for this year, though. So we had our uh, RFP um, request for proposals was out, and it closed at 2:30 this afternoon. Um, I know we did get response to that, so we'll work um, with staff to look through those proposals to um, get a contractor on to plant uh, over 500 trees on that contract. Um, the, kind of in places we've talked about in previous uh, meetings. So a spot on the south side, a spot on the north side, and a spot on the northwest side. Um, that's in addition to all of our other tree planting 
um, we're applying for a grant um, to plant uh, oh, 41 trees in uh, um, Thornberry Dog Park, um, hopefully with the help of some of the, the dog park uh, um, volunteers that are looking to get established there as a, as a core volunteer group. Um, where uh, that grant would be through the DNR and be the same funding source we use for um, Weatherby um, Park last fall. Um, so we're hopeful of that. Um, and we plan to um, partner with uh, um, the City High Group uh, Community Inclusion Club, I believe is their new name. It used to be um, Best Buddies um, program at City High for a Harbor um, Day planting, and we're going to do that at uh, Glendale Park, creating a, a little bit of a buffer around the new uh, um, playground and shelter that are going in there. Um, so those are kind of the, the newest tree things since uh, since we met last. Of course, we've continued on with snow removal and, and things like that throughout the winter in parks, but um, keeping everything moving. Uh, projects are are out to bid for the other larger park projects this um, this summer, so we're hoping to, to get some good news back on bids for those when those are done, and uh, um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep things moving for summer. It'll be a busy year. Have you found your bids to be coming in super high? Uh, not super high. It's, it's really variable. Um, uh, with the playgrounds, the, um, the factor that has increased has been shipping. Um, and we've just seen, I think I put it in here as a, a staff challenge, uh, and I might leave it in there for the next five years, just <laughs> acquiring goods and uh, in a timely manner. Um, we've got, especially vehicles or anything like that, it's, it's a struggle to get anything right now. Um, but it's really, it's really variable, um, depending on what it is, what company it's coming from, it's, it's, it's strange, <laughs> strange times. Question, I just want to comment that I regularly walk out of Territory Blood and I this morning was at Waterworks Park and I just really appreciate that you all do plow um, and are so on top of doing um, plowing the trails. It's really Thanks. great. Yeah, and um, for those of you who are new on the commission, that's something we started doing seven and a half additional miles last year. So it's something we continue this year. And something that's been looked really well received um, by the community. So um, I think that's one of the biggest compliments we get in the winter. So it's always good. Appreciate the update side. So for chair's report, just want to say thank you to Tammy for all of our work. <laughs> so, so who's replacing Tammy typing? Uh, Whoever's <laughs> going to be a new face. <laughs> so. Does that mean the community thing you'll have like vast influence? So you think it's yeah. I'm in the quarter south. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all of your service. Um, yeah. I hope you yeah. take more of that as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'll still be taking minutes, but it's at the Community Police Review Board now. Okay. Uh, okay. Move over to more serious matters. Makes you a little more excited. Not all fun and games over there. <laughs> There's actually uh, three openings on that commission. So we can just go around that. Is there anything we'll bring? So with that, I think we can adjourn.